Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and thing I created and pulled from the black goo. Alex Dandino, 100%. Truth. <laughs> That's right, guys! Tonight uh, is a very special, additional movie. As you guys know, this month's theme, the pod edits genetics, right? So we've done uh, tales about tampering with the genetic code, playing God, as it were. And we actually, Alex actually found a movie that we thought would be fascinating enough to talk about uh, to add to our genetic collection this month. So we are adding, as a special bonus genetic tale, All That We Destroy, directed by Chelsea Stardust as part of Hulu's Into the Dark series. Um, and I think this movie is a perfect, fascinating tale uh, and a great addition to our genetic lineup. Before we get started, guys, if you could take one second right now, right now, and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the podcast, especially on Apple Podcast app, that helps a lot. That's how uh, they do business, and we got to do the business. You guys know that. For those of you that have done it recently, we've seen some Truth. of them coming in. We appreciate that a lot. Preach. Also... Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to see these beautiful faces that even God himself wouldn't tempt to genetically alter. Ooh, ooh, look at that. Uh, you can that. find us at Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Uh, also, make sure to find us on all of our social medias. Uh, wherever you guys are, that's where we are. You can get a hold of us. Let us know movies you'd like to see covered. Monthly themes, double features, guests, new movies that you would like us to add to the list. Whatever you want uh, us to talk about, that's what we want to talk about, man. And you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. All right, enough business. Uh, on to the movie. Alex actually found this movie and messaged me, and he's like, I think we got to talk about this one. I did. And I immediately went and read the elevator pitch. I watched the trailer, and I was like, yeah, this is a fascinating con. All that we destroy is one of those perfect elevator pitch concepts right it's mm -hmm. absolutely perfect yeah so essentially the movie is asking us the question right if you were a genetic scientist and you knew your son was a serial killer where's the gray line and continually making this uh woman genetic clone over and over again for him to murder so he can get his uh murder jollies that way yeah. rather than uh you know slaying the the actual human beings and the movie does a great job of really playing with this concept to the most. Cause when you initially watch it, you get the feeling the first viewing, you're like, Oh man, is this going to burn out fast? Cause it seems yeah. like you're like, well, I can imagine someone thought of this. It's a perfect little short film, right? Like a real right. punchy short. Well, That's film. like the thing is I feel like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the best 12 minute short film I've ever seen. Yes. That got and that's like, the thing though. It gets it, stretched. It actually doesn't fizzle. It keeps no. finding new wrinkles into the uh, the concept, as it were. And so I, I think this movie is actually really good. One of the things I'll address up front is we were, I mean, I was shocked, I guess. A lot of people who were reviewing this on Letterboxd and whatnot uh, were pretty mad about, you know, kind of the yeah, this privileged the white most... people murder. <laughs> This might be the most reviled into the dark edition. Like people love those movies. Like it is they've gotten stellar reviews. This one yeah. might be the most hated. This was like this one came out I think in 2019 like around they It's interesting cuz they always like bring out certain movies for certain months. I feel like this one came out during Mother's Day last year. Uh mm. which is fitting obviously. But again, it's one of those things where like <laughs> I watched it and then I started looking at it and I'm like, "Oh my god, people fucking hated this movie." This is, like, intense but, hatred. See, what I would say, though, man, I get it. If this, sure. I mean, I'm not going to lie. This movie is hard to watch at times. There are things that are uncomfortable. I do think the review I kept reading over and over again is, if you want to, I think the one lady said it in a really funny way, right, where it's, if, you, if your thing is to watch a rich white kid and his mom kill uh, young women of color over and over again and get away with it, this is your movie. And I was like, I think that's a pretty shitty, unfair review, right? Because what I would that say might is, be that be yes, my, that might be my favorite elevator pitch review of all time. It's such it's so funny on the face mix. It's just so snarky and shitty. But 
what I what I think I will say up front, right? Because I know that there are people listening that will probably have felt this way, that it's an uncomfortable flick to watch. I think it's supposed to be. I don't think this should be a comfortable – everything in this movie is uncomfortable, right? And that's yeah. the point of kind of science fiction and horror to me. For sure. And, again, I would also say I think the movie does a pretty good job of not telling us that we should respect or be proud of the two rich white people. <laughs> I no. don't think that's a fair criticism to levy against the movie. No, uh, it's like, but it's again, it's like one of the perfect things you say to someone walking down the hall and then beeline into your office without any explanation. It's like, right. yeah, if you love beating minorities, it's a great movie. I got to go by. <laughs> like, it's like the perfect, it's I will the say perfect this. one. It, it felt a lot like people read what it was, watched the trailer, maybe watched the first scene and then turned it off. Cause I, yeah. I, but I, what I'm saying is if you get past that, element of it right but i was like i don't hear people if you go look up the american psycho reviews they're not saying that about oh it's just a rich white guy killing uh yeah i was gonna say like whatever no one makes a huge deal about like uh yeah patrick bateman murdering reggie kathy in the alley like that's that's like (laughs) one of the most brutal scenes in that whole fucking movie it's like that should have been like a touchstone of the entire thing if this is like gonna be that offensive i mean that's literally what ready or not is that's what knives out are it's just rich a lot of movies are rich white people fucking around. Yeah, rich They're white bored, people have, have all a the money. lot of problems, apparently. <laughs> well, okay, so past that, right? What I, what I really love about this movie, what I absolutely love is, again, be, besides the concept being so brilliant, I don't think this is a movie that absolutely has to only engage you on the concept, right? There are some movies that are high concept. Yeah. And anything that gets away from that, you know framework and anything that's attached to that it starts to kind of unravel a bit right i think some of the best parts of this movie are really small quiet moments that aren't dealing with serial killing or cloning right this movie has really good uh characters and really good performances and i think that's what that's what separates this movie to me right because there is a part of just watching this guy kill over and over again where you're like enough i get it (laughs) Yeah, but I think what they I, I think they do such a good job of really pulling you in uh, heart first to this movie. Yeah, I don't know if I'd agree with that. Actually, I'm not sure I'm pulled in. <laughs> uh, I I am I, I am pulled in first and foremost by the concept totally. Like, and again, like I truly believe this is a movie where like the pitch is a great short film, extending it out could possibly make it very long in the tooth this movie does a very good job of not doing that but you have to get past that like 12 minute mark of like a longer short film because to me like short films are really like seven minutes and under so like once you get past the 12 minute mark then you're like locked into the movie but But heart wise (laughs) i'm not sure i'm necessarily pulled in that direction okay all right i'm not saying that (laughs) what i what i'm trying to say is and again, I think I see what you're saying with the short film part, right? If it was just the opening scene and then you saw the clone, you could cut it there. But I don't the thing I think that makes this different, right, is I think the expanding it out makes it so much more punchy, right? If all sure. you did was just because the movie starts that way. And I think this is one of the things I, I would use as evidence for my case, right? By stretching this movie out, because, again, the guy is classic, the main actor right is absolutely classic you're just like yeah that guy looks like a serial killer to me right no one thinks he is but when i look at him like yeah he's a serial killer he's got the eyeballs he's got the look i'm in the movie does a great job though about halfway through they find a way to actually give him some some life right they round him out in a bit now you know on the second viewing i was more cynical right because once you were playing the game with the movie the first time, you're kind of captivated and going on all the twists and turns. The second time, what I was really struck by is, I don't know that anyone believes anything they're saying or doing <laughs> in the whole movie, right? Yeah, And I, I think that's agree. why this is important as a feature film and why it works is because you're giving more time for these emotional discoveries, right? Once you right. Once you understand the twists and turns of the, Oh, they're cloning again. Oh, there's another murder. There's right. a lot of I mean, it really is this really cool like, mother-son drama just yeah. draped in genre. 
Well, yeah, and I think that's the value of the like, because to me, again, I go back to the because this movie just rings true of like a short film turned into a feature because like the repetition of habit is very important to this movie. And like, that's the thing that I think is what makes a great short film. Like that's what makes it worth watching for 12 minutes. You know, like that's something that I really enjoy about this movie is that their dedication to the repetition and the like actual plan that the mother has put in place which by the way like i love like samantha mathis is the the mother in this movie samantha mathis for those of you who don't know in the 90s was like poor man's claire danes like anytime she couldn't do a movie samantha mathis samantha mathis got cast and i'm not saying that it's a bad thing either like i think samantha no. mathis is a wonderful actress but uh i would be so happy with being the poor man's claire danes yeah exactly and again like it's not a a bad thing it's always my thought though like anytime i didn't anytime i saw samantha maths in a movie i was like i always thought that was claire danes for like 20 seconds i was like not claire danes never mind but again (laughs) she is really good and when it comes to like heart and emotionality i'll say this like her issues and you know again every movie is starting to hit me differently because i'm a parent now so like when I like I watched it with my wife and like we were watching it and the kid is like running around in the living room and stuff while we were watching this movie and she kept shouting she's like Henry I'm never going to do that for you I'm just going to tell you to knock it the fuck off I was like yeah that'll work but like either way like Henry not again you're cleaning up the dead hooker this time <laughs> but like that Your kids like Affleck from Jane Silent Bob <laughs> But that's like the we got value. A 1084, another dead hooker from Henry's crib. <laughs> but I think that's the value of the movie, and that's the reason that like I I never watch the movies we watch on this pod. Like I almost never watch them twice. Like unless it's just a movie I watch generally. I mean, this movie I watched twice specifically because I wanted my wife to see it, and we were watching it. And her and I were both like crazy engaged, but she particularly was like asking questions the whole time, trying to figure out what was going on. Like particularly with like. The father and Samantha, like uh, Frank Whaley, Frank Whaley, who's the dad or whatever version of the dad it is. But either way, like that's what I think is the value of the movie is this mother's journey more than anything. Because, again, like serial killer characters become very one note after a while. And like Israel Brossard, who plays the uh, who plays uh, Spencer, the serial killer kid, he's definitely he's got a great serial killer look like I give that kid a lot of credit. But it's not his performance that I'm like locked into a lot of the time in the movie. So right. But not to say it's bad. It's just not the thing that's carrying me through the flick. I, but see, that's where I think that's what I like about the movie is that again, I think it's really easy to fall into that trap with serial killers, right? Definitely. Because serial killers are just kind of these, these shark like creatures that are trying to pretend to be us. Spencer is not fully formed yet in his behaviors. So I think there's still a little bit of longing for him. What I think is brilliant about the character of Spencer in this movie is that he's not resigned to this is what I do. The fact that Spencer still has a thought, right? And again, the second viewing more cynically, I think none of them are telling the truth. No. But there are moments where you see him thinking, maybe, just maybe... I could be different, right? And right. I think we all look at it now, and that's part of his, you know, twisted pleasure. True. Is this, you know, he needs to, like, drag it out and, you know, oh, maybe I'll be good, maybe I'll be good. <laughs> and then when he's not, that's part of the, you know, orgasmic murder moment that we see so right, many times. Right. Yeah. But I think what I what I latched on to, and I think this is what separates it to me, I don't look at it as just this watching rich white people torture movie is because – I think what it does is it really spends the time and puts us in, right, with these Yeah, because you're white. Like you don't know any that... better. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> in moments of this, when we start debating whiteness, my Middle Eastern half takes precedent, <laughs> and I am not with you, white devils, right? Sorry. Get back to your point. <laughs> also, you know I am Arabic royalty, so I will not be talking down to by you, white devil. Thank you. <laughs> by Aladdin-like bloodline. <laughs> American street rap, but in, in my home world, ballin'. No, anyways, we're so off on a tangent. Sorry. All right. Get back to your point. I apologize. But, but I w- I'm with you. The second time I watched it, I was really struck by the mother in this movie. Yeah. And the question that I constantly kept circling back to is, 
I think she's full of shit. Oh, yeah. I don't think for a moment that this mother actually thinks she's helping him. No. Right? I mean, and I, like, that's... I think, but I think that's the really clever thing. Is yeah. She's not, I think, because we just did Island of Dr. Moreau, right? Dr. Moreau <laughs> yes. thinks he is this guy on the path to chain the devil he found in his microscope, right? In a really right. weird way, are the mother in this movie is on that exact same path. Right? right, I think well, she looks at her son, and we don't know exactly what happened to the the dad, right? Air quotes. But I think she looks at him, and she's, you know, I gave him everything, and I am this great accomplished mind. How did this little monster form yeah. in my body? Where are the flaws? Right. So I think right. in a in a really strange way, because this is what you find constantly is she's doing this cat and mouse game that's brilliant on the first viewing, and the second viewing it becomes really scary. Yeah. Where she's like, I don't want to see. Okay, well, you mop up afterwards. You have a dead body bin in your side yard. You know what the fuck's happening. You don't have to see it. You right. know? And so her pressing herself into this scenario becomes more insidious to me the second viewing. Did you find that to be true yourself? Oh, totally. Like, I, I think that it's interesting you put it this way because I agreed I agree 100%. Like, watching this the second time, I was like, man, like, this mother A is, like, full of shit. But also, like, I mean, extrapolating that out to a bigger concept, think about, like, the things you do for your children, like, to teach them a lesson or to teach them to make sure that, like, they're safe. Like, I have lied to my kid numerous times and said, like, hey, don't do that because it'll hurt you. And I'm like, it's not going to hurt him. But I also just don't want to deal with it. So, like, that's, like... (laughs) Again, it's like the lie we tell ourselves is like, oh, if I teach them, they'll get better. And I think that's the thing about Samantha Mathis's character, Victoria, in this movie. Is Victoria spends so much, like the entire movie, thinking what she's doing is um, teaching her child or rehabilitating her child. There's that great scene in the um, whatever they are, the uh, the father the father mother talks that they have, where she starts mm-hmm. like rationalizing this. Uh, new form of therapy she's essentially created where literally her fucking psychopath kid murders a clone every like two days and then like gets another one. But she's like, Oh, it's great. It's like cognitive behavioral therapy. And he's like, are you sure? But that's like, to me, the, what I, on this viewing, what I started to rationalize more is like this mother spends much more time verifying and checking her control over her son more so than anything else. Like it has nothing to do with rehabilitating your son. It has to do with like having control over the parameters with which her son lives his life. And that I think opens up a very different kind of story, which is that the mother herself is much more of a villain than anything else. Yeah, and it's the thing. I don't think she's a villain. Not at all. No, no, no. She's the better version of the villain. Great villain, where she thinks she's doing the right thing. She and I don't. I again, I don't think she thinks she's doing. I think she has. She has enough ability to rationalize what she's doing. Right. Exactly. Because the obvious question becomes: Your son goes out and murders this girl, right? Right. You have the ability to seemingly create a fully grown human being that can have language and shit really fast, right? Like, it's pretty – There was the science of this is pretty remarkable, right? You, know, you kind of have to throw that out, right? right? It is as if they reach into another dimension, right? It's like the DC multiverse. They're just pulling this girl from all the multiverse, right? Because <laughs> how does this thing get born so fast, grow, you know, in no English? Like, it can just speak the language again, right? Like, right. You know? But so, anyways, throw that out, right? But what she – it, it struck me more this time, right? So why not do that and then send her back out in the world? She's has her Facebook. She stalked her. Drive her and drop her off at her sister or mom's house. And right. let them go through the work of, oh, our, then it becomes a soap opera. Our daughter has amnesia. <laughs> like You know, she was a sailor for 12 years, and now we will bring her back. But that's not what she's doing, right? And this time it struck me, too, because I was watching again, and I I totally zoomed past the start of the movie where they really hone in on uh, Victoria's ritual of how she prepares Ashley for him. And this this gets into the really fun thing in the movie, which is everyone is so desperately trying 
to control the narrative of perception of themselves, right? Yes. So Victoria is making this girl over and over and over again, right? And making her this kind of basic suburban white lady's version of what her boyfriend would be interested in. Mm-hmm. And when we see the real version, Ashley is more of a messy character, right? She's having a blow up with this guy. She's left in the middle of nowhere. Yep. She's a wanted criminal. She's doing drugs, right? She's got a real life and a real backstory. Mm-hmm. And something about that is what triggered her son. Yeah. So in a way, she's injecting herself into the Ashleys and then giving it to her son, knowing full well. like that's, She never asked him what she was like, yeah. obviously. Well, she doesn't really study enough to know that this girl uh, you know, had all this extra baggage going on, right? right? She just sends her out there in her Old Navy outfit to get slaughtered for not knowing a band and liking wine fast enough. Right. That's not well, the- that's not a baseline experiment that makes any sense to someone who is as smart as her. Right. And I think that's like and that to me is the part that I love the most about the mother's intrusion in this whole thing is she's a scientist. There is there should be scientific there should be scientific uh uses for all these things and there's so many emotional components to what it is the mother's doing half the time that it feels less scientific and much more to the point of being uh, just it's, it's simply just like a, like a stopgap measure. It's weird because really when you think about it and if you're, you know, again, like we've watched a lot of genetics movies, even though we've only talked about like four of them, we've watched a lot of (laughs) genetics movies over the last, over the last month. I'm going to tell you right now, if anything, what she should be doing is cloning her son and literally breeding the bad gene out. That's like the that's that could be the entire movie right there. Like that's the well, idea. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will. But either way, like that to me is a fascinating thing. For like forty five minutes of the movie, we spent like I spent forty five minutes of the first time I watched this because obviously, so I was like, Jesus Christ, why are we not just fucking cloning the kid? My God, why are we? murdering this girl 40 right. well, times so over. many better uses for such an insane pit of black miracle right you can retry yeah, right. with your kid to make him better right. or let him go out and hunt in nature as he really wants because you know that this ashley has no value to him after this right right she's right. never going to recreate that moment so when he kills someone just clone them and send them back to their life yeah you know like she could essentially erase some portion of the evil he's doing. And this is one of the things the movie does so effectively and why I don't think the repetition is a negative to this, right? No. One of the things that that really hammers your soul as you watch this movie is every time there's a new Ashley, they do just enough to make you think, okay, this is the Ashley we're going to ride with the rest of the movie, right? <laughs> you, you, As a viewer, you have this sense of, Oh, these people suck. These people yeah. absolutely suck, right? You turn into that lady from Letterbox. It's like, goddamn whites. You turn into that girl from Letterbox, and you're like, I'm sick of these people. I want them to get their comeuppance. I think they're all full of shit, right? Right. And so you're like, every time there's a new Ashley, you're like, this is the one. This is our ride or die, Ashley. <laughs> and every time, without fail, she gets her fucking head smashed in. And always faster than you expect, right? Every time it happened, there's the one where they don't even show it. She just comes in and he's having like SpaghettiOs and wine. And he's like, mm-hmm, punked. I can't wait till she finds the dead body. Right. And he just did it because that Ashley gave her mom a hug. And you're like, oh, this is the Ashley. She's hugging the mom now. We're going to make it. Right. And he just, we don't even see it anymore. No. And so what the movie does is it repeats this. You bond with Ashley, right? We fill her up with what we think she should be. Right. This good girl, good girl version of Ashley, just so that can be ripped away from us. And then in this very cruel shot, they show us multiple times is just her dead, naked body getting dragged across the lawn and thrown in this compost bin, essentially. And so what it does is it's taking us, the viewer, and saying you but by the very nature of how the movie is shown to us, we begin to degrade and devalue Ashley. She is not a human being to us, and therefore she is not truly being killed and tortured enough. It's a pretty insidious trick that they play on us. Yeah, it's um, 
yeah, it's just one of those like again, and this goes back to this. This is the intrigue I think about the critique for this because I read a lot of reviews for this movie. Some people thought it was the best entry. Many people called it Black Mirror for idiots. A lot of people said it was like the most That's misogynistic. Nonsense. Yeah, That's I mean, like nonsense. Again, it's a great elevator pitch complaint, but like to me, this is like a great example of like not understanding the purpose, like deciding that this is just like misogyny and sort of racist and all this other shit. Like that's like such a greatly flippant moment in your viewing experience. But like, if you're going to watch this movie and decide that's like the point of it, you've already missed the you've already missed the conversation. Right. But to me, the repetition is not about bruta- brutality or anything like that. What it is is about is showing – not about brutality against Ashley for that matter. Sorry. I would actually say what it is about is the brutality this mother has instilled in herself. She's almost cold to it now. I think that's like the really terrifying thing to me personally right. is the mother's inability to like – like. She has that moment at where she like waits out. It's weird to me when she waits outside uh, Spencer's door and listens to him strangling Ashley for like what, like the fortieth time, and yeah. she's still like crying. I'm like, this seems so fucking false. Like, there's no way she has any emotional regard for this anymore. It's bizarre. Because well, this, but, is, they yeah. they do a really good job of playing the. You know, the mother who wants to protect her son and and her performance is really great in that regard. The problem is, is again, and especially on a second viewing, you just you just see that it's all face pretext. Right. And again, this is the whole movie. Everyone in the movie is constantly worried about how they are being perceived. So she is worried about how she's being perceived, helping her son murder this girl over and over and over. Right. This right. horrible trauma instead of she could make the world a better place by reporting him to the cops. And yes, they'll take your son, but other people won't be dead. You know that he's a killer. Do that. Right. She won't do that. Right. Like you said, bash your son's brain in and start over with the clone. Right. Get him back to the cute phase. And I don't know, give him three more hugs and maybe he's not a serial killer. You don't. There's better ways she can go about this. Yeah. The, the scene that really strikes me about this perception, right? There are kind of two moments where it's like, oh, this is what's going on in this movie. When they, the husband, right, that she talks to in the uh, the Bluetooth in her head, she's kind of a, you know, he you have to see this. You have to see this. Why? Why on earth do you have to see it? You know exactly what's, maybe not exactly how he's strangling her in this and that. But right. that's not what you're trying to fix. You're trying to make this a more realistic genetic husk for him to do that with. You don't need to see him strangling her to understand better. Right. Right. It's it is nonsense. And then what we find out is that the dad's not there. He's some kind of parrot program that talks back to her. Right. So so then you get this. Not only is she doing this fucked up game with her son, but she herself has made another being to trap in this false reality with her right so she is doing what her son is doing in a way yeah and so then but when she sees it right he now all of a sudden is playing up the part of the aggressive killer he's not even trying to interact with the ashley it is much more brutal and aggressive faster and then runs up and smacks the camera because he's showing his mom what he thinks that she perceives him at right right when we meet um god damn it the the neighbor the new neighbor girl right when we meet her character for the first time, we see a uh, uh, Sheenie Nelson. Is that it? I think that's the actress, right? I think so. Uh, from uh, Bliss. Yes, yes. Yeah. When we see her, he just runs up and she's like, hey, weird guy in my driveway. Come over here. And then she's like, hey, I'm just, I'm here. I'm not really moving in. I'm back. I'm house sitting. It sounds better. but And she just goes into her life story. I'm like, she's trying to control the narrative, right? That's all everyone's fucking doing in this whole movie. And it's, I think that's what I like, right? Is there's all this seemingly normal, just humans feeling lonely shit. Yeah. Layered onto this really fucking dark mother and son who are just in this unwinnable death spiral. Right. And I think that's, I think the movie does a really good job of that balance. Yeah. I, that's the, 
that's again the mother is the thing that really kind of like takes me through i think that if you i think anything more than anything other than just focusing on the mother trying to kind of figure out how to solve this problem even though it's like there's an easy solve like (laughs) that's like the horrible thing about the movie is like you're watching it the whole time you're like yeah there's an easy solve to this problem but well, there's like I, five easy solves. <laughs> right. So I think that's the thing is like the emotional weight the mother's feeling. And then again, on my second viewing is so much more interesting to watch it thinking like, oh, wow, this mom is like a legitimate piece of shit and not doing anything to actually help anybody. It's it's just and again, like it's a great I think you you said it best. Uh, the dad like memories or whatever it is, whatever it is that they are like those like she's literally just talking to herself. It's like talking mm-hmm. again. It's like it's a theater in the round. Like all you're doing is listening to your own voice. So she's hearing someone who's like kind of disagreeing with her, but not telling her she's wrong. That's right. I think that I think is probably the most significant thing about those scenes in general is that no one, like at no point does Frank Whaley straight up say like, you're wrong. You're wrong about this. You shouldn't be doing this. No. He, he like hints at it and gives like these really ominous glib answers. But at the same time, Victoria is so caught up in it. I think like it is this version of herself she's speaking to. Well, when she says, right, like, oh, you only want me to see it, so I'll feel guilty. He just kind of replies with these kind of parroted back responses. And it lets you know she wants to watch the video. But she has this tool to help her keep her kind of false narrative of a mother who just desperately wants to help her son. In a way... The movie, she is actually the serial killer, and her son is just the knife. She is the one who is responsible for this. She is the one who is breeding Ashley. She's helping the Ashleys accept this false lie version of her son, right? right. And as we go through, he he's killed dogs. He pushed a girl off of a playground equipment, right? Yeah. So he's had this for a long time, and you get the sense that she's been at this kind of lying for him for a long time now she's actually a part of it though when she is creating things for him to destroy and again unsatisfactorily she keeps reading him saying it's not real enough it's not what does it for me she knows if one thing she knows is the difference between you know fake and real she's some kind of biologist of some sort obviously she's a genetic genius right so she has to understand that just making a facsimile of Ashley that is dressed like an old Navy shopping mom is not what he wants. So why keep engaging in this trap? And then there's the the one day, and this is the one scene where I was like, wow, this mom is really fucking full of shit. <laughs> or so naive to the point it's impossible to believe that she's creating these genetic miracles, right? is the day when, and this is a scary scene, right? Because he has the day with the girl, right, in her kitchen. And he comes home, and he's kind of like, he's infatuated with her, right? He's falling in love with this neighbor girl. Or like, you know, falling in love in the way of, oh, she'll be a victim. He comes home, and and now he's being like creepy with the Ashley. Yeah. Right? Now he's kind of got a swagger. He's like, yeah, look at my death book, right? Where I make pictures of your dead body. Right. And then he grabs her and he does this little dance with her. You know what I mean? There's a swagger now to his, you know, murderous foresight. And when he sees his mom, he's like, I felt alive. It felt like the first time it different. And he hugs his mom. And one of the creepiest moments in any movie I've watched recently is them hugging over this success of what they've just done. And she goes in and she's like, see, dad nailed it. He hugged me. This is the first step. And you're sitting there, and that's what – does she genuinely think that she did something different or better? Yeah. You know, does she really think that? No. Or does she not have some concept of what's going on with the neighbor girl? But it's just – it's one of those scenes that really captures the fun uh, tightrope act of the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the denial you have as a – to me, it's like the denial you have twofold, like, as a scientist. Like, oh, look, I've, I've cracked the code. It's that great like it's that great like moment of uh it's it's a it's a Frankenstein moment it's like he's alive he's alive it's like okay so 
he's alive, but like, well, what now? That's like the bigger. And then like, as a mother, wait, so you're glad that your, like, your serial killer kid hugged you without stabbing you? Congratulations. You're, <laughs> it's so much yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. Good job killing this one, boy. Like as long as you, as long as I get a hug, mom will keep making those those girls for you to stab up, son. <laughs> Good for you, boy. Yeah, it's such a weird, and that's that's what really rings to me this time. Also, they layer in in a cool way. This her business is falling apart. She's not doing what she wants, so it gives you this extra. Oh, she knows she's on to something even bigger. That she yeah. can fuck around and she'll she'll have something. And by the end of the movie, I think that's what you're left wondering is what is she doing with this actual Ashley, right? Is Ashley actually for her son? Or is her son just giving her an excuse to keep tinkering around, right? So instead of having 20 Ashleys around, she gets to go back and keep refining her experience. they, They add in this weird, again, the science in this movie is just all over the map. But somehow they layer in that, memory is tied to your genetics so that ashley keeps having visions of what's happened before right and there's there's this really twisted moment at the end where that kind of comes home where the ashley's you know what what am i what have i done you know she's got the hammer in the little lab or whatnot right and uh you know the mom just goes do you have any idea how special and unique you are and you're like, well, that is a dramatic turn from the uh, M.O. of this movie where we've already seen 40 of this girl slayed and dragged across to the compost heap. Now right. she's a unique and special snowflake. <laughs> and so that was the moment I was like, oh, she's she's doing this, right? She yeah. is using him as an excuse so that she can work on something bigger and better. And again, maybe that's just the dissatisfied mom with, how could I have birthed something so horrendous, right? This is her chance to kind of, yeah. you know, come back at that. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think the mom's journey is so much more interesting from that perspective, though. No, I agree. I mean, I think that's what makes the movie – that's what honestly makes the movie watchable in general. I think if you didn't have a compelling character in the mother herself and particularly her journey of – I mean, that's a great point. Like, whether or not – she whether or not she's doing the right thing for her child or whether or not she's just trying to perfect her own art in and of itself, I think is like like seeing her son as the imperfection and therefore trying to perfect something else entirely, I think is a great way to look at it. And also a great methodology to watch the movie with because the mother ultimately ends up being, I think, a true like I think a the the best kind of villain, which is again a villain who a great villain is someone who thinks they're doing the right thing. But even further, a villain, a great villain is someone who can rationalize that they're doing the right thing. Yes. And so, here's the, the really great bow they put on it at the end is I, I believe that she knows she will lose her son at some point, whether yes. by law, whether by madness, he'll go out and find someone to get caught, whatever. I think the Ashley's are her practice runs to recreate the son she wants, right? And at the end, we see her pull her own son out of the ooze. Maybe those, I don't know, 50, 100 Ashleys, however many she's made, maybe that's what was required so that when it was time to get her son, she would know how to bring back a version of her son that is real and satisfactory, right? I think maybe that was her game the whole time, right? This insidious circle. Yeah. Because as soon as she's about to pull him out of the ooze, she snaps the father program. She no longer needs him because now she's created the thing that she wants, right? Right. So she'll have her son, but kind of in the way that she wants. This is the truest geneticist playing God. Right. Is pretending it's this natural miracle, but really now she's got the kids she wants. She can correct this flawed child that was foisted upon her by nature. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the. I mean, that would be the best. Again, I I like that beat a lot, and I like that as time goes on. This is the ultimate test: is whether or not she can accept this essential failure she's had as her own. Like she herself is her own personal geneticist, 
So this failure she's created, essentially, her rectifying it by, like, trying to correct the behavior more so than correct the genetics in general is a really fascinating it's really fascinating emotional beat in general from someone who you would you could rewrite the characters like being completely cold and emotionless and instead giving her that ability and her to seriously just not even consider it and to only use this version of her son that's pretty fascinating that's also really yeah. it's a it's a good it's a good beat for the this kind of story because otherwise that if you if otherwise that kind of thing can get lost really quickly. Yeah, and I I think that the the it helps explain away the the kind of careless brutality. Again, I think the the abuse that Ashley suffered. Like if if I had a big critique of the movie and I don't know necessarily if this would work as well as the movie does. I think the movie's wildly effective at exploring you know, all of these ethical gray areas, which make these genetic science fiction horror tales so engaging. Right. If I had one big flaw with the movie, right, something I might like to see change, is I feel like there's a version of the movie where instead of introducing the girl next door, who we never really get to know other than he somehow, Spencer somehow sees something in her, right? She leaves college because she had this problem she couldn't control with body dysmorphia and eating disorders. Yeah. And somehow he links that to himself and he tells himself he thinks he can change for her, right? That someone, right. there's a happiness there, right? We know that that is probably not, even the mom's like, you think you're going to run away with her? You love her? You'll kill her. <laughs> like, even the mom knows he's full of it, right. right? Yeah. And Spencer knows he's full of it at the end he's like, I could have changed for you. And I was like, you didn't fucking change for your mom. You could just change for yourself or mankind. Like, why her? You know, because he's full of shit. He just wants to kill her. I do wonder if there's a version of the movie where instead of putting those emotional beats with her, right, and Spencer kind of relating to her and giving her some room to be a person only to be unceremoniously knifed at the end, right, or glassed at the end, as it were. Yes. If we could have spent that time with the Ashley clone. Right. So the mom clones Ashley and rather than seeing the 15 murders, right, the clone Ashley actually has some time to grow and become her own character. And that that would give her that would give her more time to breathe and not just be this murder prop. Right. Which seems to be rubbing people the wrong way. I think it's a good device for what they're exploring. But I wonder if there's a version of she creates Ashley knows Ashley has this gift of, you know, memory somehow. So the mom's trying to create, defend her creation and her son at the same time. I wonder if that version of the movie works at all. I mean, I would say it does, but it makes, I actually think the emotional impact of the mother becomes a little less impactful almost. I, I think it becomes a little more soap opery if you have that situation. I, I think that I, I don't yeah. know if that's the best way to put it, but I feel like there's something a little more melodramatic about that version versus what we got. But maybe that's not a bad thing. That could be actually it could work out really yeah. well. I mean, it's it's weird because I, I do think that them constantly killing the Ashley that we think is going to be the the final girl, Ashley, the one that's going to make it, I think is important because it puts us in this mindset where we're questioning, where do we think, what is the difference between these Ashley she's creating and the other girl next door, right? Why protect her more than the Ashley? So I I think in a way, I mean, it's it's a hardcore lesson though, right? To show, because I mean, I think that's a debate a lot of us are going to have in the future with cloning and AIs and this and that. Like what, what is the difference? Where are the lines? You know, I've already right. read. <laughs> I read a, a serious article where some guy, I can't remember where the fuck I read. It was a big publication too, if I'm not mistaken. But some guy essentially argued that the government should have stipends to provide r- as realistic as possible. Fuck dummies for people that are, <laughs> uh, you know, child molesters, rapists, uh, even people that think they have serial killer tendencies. They could get one of these. That was like kind of the thesis of the article. 
Yeah. Are you so repulsed by the idea of making an ultra realistic doll that you could give to a child molester, but you might save him from being able to go out? And then right. the article, would that even work? Or is there some extra like, because that's what Spencer, I think, is realizing is that he doesn't just want to kill. He wants to take something away from the world, right? Yeah. That's what he does with the first Ashley, and that's what he does with the the neighbor girl. That's not what he's doing with the clone Ashleys, he thinks. So I but that's what I mean. The article was saying that, and I was like, oh my God, this is wild. <laughs> we talked about it on another podcast I did like years ago. And I was like, that's fucking insanity. But with the technologies we have, this this is going to become more and more of a thing, is where are these ethical lines? Right. I mean it's I don't know, man. That gets into a much more complicated thing than I think we're used to talking about on this right? show. Or maybe, it, or maybe it's not. I don't know. We're very highfalutin elevated people on this pod. so Yeah, we're super smart. Super fucking smart, bros. No, <laughs> but but no you're not right. I don't know. I, I, but I feel like it's weird because that's the thing that everyone seems to be hung up on in the movie. Is that this Ashley girl, we just keep having to watch her be destroyed over and over and over again. Right. And that's but I, I think it's actually a I think it's a pretty effective device for the story of this yeah. movie. Right. I mean, I think and that's, again, I don't think it's something like blood sucking freaks. Right. Where it's just this exploitative. Just let's no, show not nonsense, at all. Right. Look, I mean, I again, feel like it does have a narrative hammer. And at the end, may, this is the other question I had. If at the end they didn't pull the uh, if they didn't go with the cut get out ending. Right. Because this is exactly how Get Out was supposed to end. And they're like, oh, people hate this. Right. And they changed it. Right. They didn't want to see Chris go to jail because he killed the evil whites. Right. right. And so Get Out changed their ending and that became a classic. Right. Right. I wonder if because this girl who was a criminal in her first life. Right. Gets caught on top of Spencer and Spencer becomes this, you know, martyred victim now. And she goes to jail for hurting innocent whites. If they had changed that and she had killed the whites and got away with it, if a lot of those letterbox reviews disappear also. I mean, yeah, obviously there's I think this there's no denying the social component of this movie. You have a woman who seems to be of color being murdered continuously by a white. I would say that's probably going to be inflammatory at best. For uh, the people yeah. who are ain't just... No, ain't no seems to be about it. Ain't no, no seems to be about it. This, These are women of color being killed by rich whites. Yeah. But again, I think this is a movie that says, hey, in the future, who do you think's going to have all the money and time to create these genetic abomination versions of us? Right. Rich fucking white people that are weird <laughs> and want to do creepy shit to us. The kind of rich white people that would have eyes wide shut orgies might also... Like, someone might listen to this podcast and be like, I want to make five Josh Griffey's so when I listen to the podcast and hate his voice, I can cram my dick in his face, right? Like I'll have a clone Griffey that I can cram my dick in his face as I listen to his dumb movie opinions. I don't know. That's they're rich white people. They can do that kind of shit. They can right? do that. And I'll that have to be what like, it is. that's unethical. Remove that hog from other me's face. You know, <laughs> like that's not ethical. And they'll be like, well, fuck you. How do we know what's ethical? We have to watch these movies. Honestly. It's a tall order. <laughs> tall order. <laughs> Now I just had such a visual image of like the X-rated multiplicity <laughs> running through my mind. The Michael <laughs> Keaton just all turn on the weakest Michael Keaton. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I do wonder if they had gotten their comeuppance at the end, right? If essentially the mom and Spencer are left like Frankenstein's monster to be destroyed in the windmill ending, mm. if that assuages some of the anger. I just feel the reviews are wildly angry and not necessarily fair to what I saw. And I wonder well, if one of those two fixes would change some of that. I think they're, yeah, I mean, I think what you're suggesting fixes, yes. I mean, essentially, yeah, I would fix it. I, I think that people just, again, this is like the biggest thing. I, I think that if you're going to watch a movie like this, and you're not going to get past this. All everything I keep reading screams that people have not watched past the first ten minutes of this movie. If you're going to watch the first ten minutes of this movie and just decide, oh, it's racist or oh, it's misogynist or whatever, that's your decision. But what 
again, people who take the time to write reviews besides podcasts, which you totally should, uh, people who take the time to write reviews <laughs> for IMDb or like Letterboxd, for instance, um, I think that that's the kind of thing, like, if you're going to do that, you really need to, like, decide whether or not you actually watched the movie. If you just watched the movie through the prism of, oh, well, I saw this one thing five minutes in, and it's literally factored and wedged itself into the entirety of the narrative for the rest of the film. If that's how you're going to watch the movie, then I would consider not writing a review personally. But, and that, I mean, hey, honestly, the internet only exists for people to be assholes. Like, let's absolutely. be fair. And I've always said this, too. People get really mad about people who talk shit about movies online. Part of what you do when you pay for a movie or give a movie your time is go out and fight with your friends about it. That's part of the fun that's built into movies is discussing them, breaking them apart. You're not supposed to just sit in awed reverence, right? Like, right. you know, someone came down from the hill with, you know, the Ten Commandments or whatever. You're supposed to watch these movies. And then part of what you're paying for with your time and money is to then take them out into the world and use them to, you know, make your day a little better. And if that means, you know, arguing with someone about it, great. That's fine. Right. But again, I would just say if you wanted to make arguments about the movie and what we saw, I think there are better ones than what I read. I, I would say I think there are ways you can, you know, say that maybe letting Ashley actually be a character and not a murder prop would help. But then again, I don't know, because the neighbor girl feels like she has a good run. So maybe that's the character you need. Right. And, it, and maybe those little changing our lenses is what a science fiction story is supposed to do. And again, maybe at the end that the white lady gets away with it, if you believe that it's all going to go well, which I absolutely don't. If we learned anything <laughs> is that she can keep pulling shit out of that black ooze, right. and it's just not going to go well. Again, I'll tell everyone this. Go watch movies about wishes, and it never goes well for people never to get their wishes, out. except never for Angels out. in the Outfield. That's the one, but that's because it's more of a prayer than a wish. Also didn't work out. <laughs> Fucking Danny, uh, 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 who's the boss? Uh, T-Dance? Yeah, Tony, Tony Danza died anyways, so it didn't matter. But was he a pennant winner? Yes. And then he died. Like yeah, God, reached, God reached down and was like, you loser. Like, I'm going to make you a legend. Like literally that, that might be one of, I'm sorry, this is a tangent, but that might be one of my most like tragic, like childhood memories is watching that movie. And Tony Dan's and Chris really like, yeah, he's coming up with us soon. He's smoked for years. I'm like, Oh my God, is that what happens when you yeah. smoke? Okay. But do you want to go to what that movie tells you is that Tony Dan's is dead. He's fucking dead. Anyways, would you rather just go to hell and be a loser Right? Like a cancer riddled loser who was mean and had no friends, or the guy who was his heart was touched by angels and children. He made a diving play, he was a pennant winner, and now he dies of cancer. That's a very happier ending. <laughs> to Dan's got the best of that. Like like everything in life, Tony right. Danza got more than he deserved. And it's that'll come up in our pod next month. Where the pod talks to angels. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. I love Tony Danza, uh, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is, if the white people got theirs, right? Let's say they're caught in the burning house, the, the Frankenstein windmill, and they die. Right. I don't think that's as interesting. I mean, then Ashley gets to go off and create herself. That's an interesting symbolism. Yeah. I like the idea of, at the end of the movie, though, they're like, yeah, you saw a horrendous tragedy play out, right? A young girl got killed. Two young girls got killed a shitload of replicas of that girl got killed who could have been happy members of society, probably gone back to their families and had a life, right? A better life. They wouldn't be criminals anymore. Yeah, Maybe. And then uh, this other clone is now going to jail, which is not going to be a good life for her. And the rich white lady gets to keep pulling her son or whoever else out of the goo. She's not a happy person. No. There's a really good chance, even if she makes her son better, he's going to start, hey, I have memories of killing all of these girls to this terrible song. Uh, I want to do that again. And she's going to be like, oh, great. This the song. In the we haven't even talked about that song. Oh, my God. The most on-the-nose lyrical song. <laughs> I, I, it's not a bad song. It's not, but it's so on the nose, man. Like, it's so on the fucking nose. It doesn't have to be cryptic. Some. That's the thing. Some bands try to make it too cryptic. Couldn't like, it I, just I saw been a thing. Like, everyone's sending around Facebook. They're like, 
did you know the song Closing Time was about the birth of his son? And I was like, no, it's not. It's the song for people who are like, yeah, I also want to fuck someone instead of go home alone. And they're like, no, he said it's about the birth of his son. I'm like, no, it's not. We decide yeah. now. It's our I song now. I totally would have Don't said that, too, it. if I wrote a song about literally trying to find someone to fuck at the end of the night. And instead, I realized, oh, fuck, I'm an artist. I have to come up with an actual meaning fair, for this tune. That's what most songs are. Don't let them try to mask it. That's what most songs are. I'm not saying they're not. Listen, if <laughs> you want. If you, all, if you, even Beethoven. Right? He's listen, like, this is the trying to not go home and jerk off symphony. <laughs> Alchemist, if you if Alchemist, if you DM me, I will give you my dissertation on 90s pop. But notwithstanding, yes, most songs are about who are you going to bang out at the end of the night. That is just part of life. But this is just like the guy who says, I created the file type. It's GIF. You're like, no, it's not because it's a G and it stands for graphic. Fuck you. It's GIF. The world got it and it's ours now. Right? right. Stop being overly cutesy. Stop being. And this song, yeah, it's like, when the two of us we meet. Dun, dun, dun. Right? It's It's got like a little meat loafy vibe. It's very, <laughs> very loafy. I was actually. And you know like, that I loves the loaf. Well, because I, I watch. Because I, I have a kid, so I watch movies with subtitles. For, for those of you who don't have children. When you have children, you'll watch movies with subtitles and closed captions. Everything is closed captioned, yeah. Yeah. So I was watching. I was watching. I was like, is this Loaf? And then I looked up. I was like, oh, no, sorry. It's just someone completely <laughs> random. I don't know. think it was the Loaf. <laughs> By the way, the score is fantastic in this movie by the man named Umberto. Umberto. One name, Umber Umberto. Umberto. Music by Umberto. And the music is really good in this movie. But this is what I'm saying. I think this movie takes a really good concept. And instead of simply relying on the act of murder over and over, right? There's a bad movie version of this where it's just the guy trying to kill this girl in different ways. Yeah. Over and over and playing that part of it up, right? The gory, horrible version, which right. then I think would justify some of the bullshit I read. I think this movie goes to really good lengths to give some emotional... It, it rounds it out emotionally, right? The same way that the mom's like, I want to spend more time with this Ashley. Mm-hmm. So she'll seem more real for you, right? That might be bullshit in the movie, but us getting to spend more time with these people makes makes it all work so much better because they become more real to us. Right. I like watching Spencer try to craft this version of him where he thinks he could pretend to be a good guy. When yes. we see him not give the shirt, to, uh, the jacket to the original cold Ashley, but he offers it up without being asked. To the girl next door. I like seeing him evolve as a predator and his method yeah. while trying to pretend he's a, a real boy. Right. <laughs> I, right. I like that. I like watching this mom maybe working on her own genetic experiment so she can save her son, but trying to hide it in this, you know, crocodile teared face of a loving mother. I think this movie has a lot of emotional depth and I think it really explores the ethical gray areas of genetics in a really interesting way. I, I mean, I, I thought this movie was really good. It's the best Into the Dark movie I've seen myself. I mean, I think that that's the... Oh, those are the kinds of the movies that we like, though. Like, I like those kinds of movies that don't tell me everything I need to know. And also don't... Mm -hmm. Again, just ham fist everything in there. I think this was a great. I think this was a great entry. I, I feel bad for people who think this is Black Mirror for idiots. I think you're not watching it from the lens of... I don't think you're watching it from the proper lens. But again, like to be fair, we're idiots and we also like Black Mirror, man. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm a fucking idiot, but I like Black Mirror. So but, but I don't I don't think this is a I don't understand why it's for idiots. I think I think Chelsea Stardust shows a really good hand in the, the directing of this movie. She yeah. has a really good firm grasp on what she's doing. It's paced very well. And again, I don't see why it's Black Mirror for dummies because it's really an interesting ethical problem. That's what Black yeah. Mirror does well. That's what this movie does well. Well, and I and think again, that's I, the I can value. see the kind of surface facade value of why some people sure think this and that's off. But you know, I I think Those, if you look at it from a story perspective, it, it works for me. Yeah, this totally could be. Again, you're right. There is a world and there is an alternate universe where this movie is like schlockfest 2019 and it's total dog yeah. shit but like that's not the movie we're watching this movie is a really fascinating portrayal of a mother who is like slowly trying to justify her to herself why she the the methodology with which she's using to save her son so to speak again yeah. I, I really liked it i thought it was really cool yeah 
But she's not, man. She's not giving Ashley to her son. She's slowly taking bits of her son back for herself. Ooh, wow. Edible. Nice. That little goo, yeah. Oh, and then she reaches into that black goo gina and pulls out the boy she always wanted. It's just one step further. Just you could have just stopped with the edible that was, thing. That was just, too much. That you, was, just, you went too far. I always far. do it. it. It always happens. It went <laughs> it went one step too far. Just like every character in this movie. It went one step too far. That's it for all that we destroy. Guys, I really like this movie. I think it's a very interesting movie. I think it makes for some good conversation. Hopefully you guys thought so too. Again, you can find it on Hulu if you can find it somewhere to rent and pay full price. As our friend Josh Lobo said, do that. Always do that if you have the option. It's a good lesson to remember. Uh, as always, guys, please take a second. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find us, especially Apple Podcast app. Follow our YouTube channel and subscribe over at uh, The Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Find us on all your social medias. Email the show at filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, one more genetic film coming up. The granddaddy the of granddaddy. them Granddaddy. Jurassic Park. Doo, 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 doo. Uh, I have a theory. I have a theory now. I've come up with something that nice. I think blows the lid off of this dinosaur pandemic. As it were. <laughs> is it that the, is it that it's a Hunger Games for all lesser life forms? Because that I would agree with. <laughs> no, but Hunger Games would have been a dope title for Jurassic Park. There's a totally perfect world where Nedry's just sent there to be the course, the main course. <laughs> but that's next time, guys. Uh, we'll see you then for the film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Tandino.